The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Today we have gold medals in artistic gymnastics, athletics, boxing, canoe sprint, track cycling, equestrian, sailing, weightlifting and wrestling. And today is the day when climbing officially starts as an Olympic sport. So who better to have a good long talk about climbing than with Alex Honnold. He's the star of the Oscar-winning documentary Free Solo, which is all about how he climbed El Capitan without any ropes. Yes. Today, though, he's here to give us the lowdown on Olympic climbing. So hello, Alex. And uh, I'm just going to dive right in because there's a big debate in the climbing world with people arguing um, for just pure adventure on the one hand and others celebrating the athleticism in, in climbing. What is your view on it all? It's a big question with a big answer. But uh, uh, so I actually started a podcast earlier this year called Climbing Gold that was focused on climbing going into the Olympics. And we sort of explored this issue extensively throughout the first season, um, though we started it before the Olympics had been postponed because of COVID. So then we sort of used that extra time, that extra year to go a little bit deeper into the history of climbing. And actually, I'm, I'm glad that we did because it gave it's given us a lot more perspective on exactly what you're describing, the, this spectrum between adventure and athleticism. And I feel like a lot of climbing history and climbing development can be seen as climbing moving along the spectrum from pure adventure to pure athleticism. And I think that climbing in the Olympics is this incredible distillation of, of the athletic side of climbing. It's, it's, I mean, it, it is pure athleticism. It's like, it's a lot like a gymnastics performance or, or, you know, the decathlon or something just because the climbing format combines three different styles of climbing. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, as you said, I'm, I'm pretty into it because I personally started climbing in the gym. I have a bit of a competition background. I did compete as a kid. I never, I never won sadly. Um, I was never very good at it, but, but I did do all the youth competitions and, you know, I tried, I tried my best. Um, you know, I got second once. It was exciting. Um, that actually, that's not totally fair. I did win some local things, but, um, but I had the misfortune of growing up in, in Northern California at the same time as two other young men who have also become professional climbers. As, as it turns out, they turned out to be two of the best climbers in the country. And so I always lost to them because they've just always been better than me my entire life. So it's like, oh, you know, um, but all, all that to say, I have a strong appreciation for the athletic side of climbing, but then obviously I'm well known for the adventure side of climbing. You know, I go on expeditions, I climb new routes, I free solo walls sometimes. You know, I mean, I love the adventurous side. But so I think that because of my own experiences, I see the the rise in athleticism as this big opportunity to increase the adventure of, of climbing. You know, basically, as the athletic standard increases, it just enables you to do more adventurous things. At least that's been my personal experience. And so I'm pretty excited to see the athleticism of climbing celebrated in the Olympics because I just think it brings a lot of talent and, and energy and, and just raw ability into the sport. And I think that ultimately that will lead to bigger adventures in climbing. You know, not, not that all Olympians will care about going outside and climbing crazy mountains, but, but they can. You know, the thing is that they have the skill set if they want to, and surely some of them will. Obviously, it's bad, good and bad things can happen when something gets popular. But ultimately, if there's more money and infrastructure around something, then it becomes just easier to do. The financial side of it, sort of the sponsorship side and all that, the support for the athletes, I mean, that's great. But the more exciting thing to me is just seeing more climbers get into the sport and just seeing more talent. Because it just, 
you know, you see things happen in the sport that you never thought were possible. Like, and I think that's maybe even more true in, in skateboarding and, and some of the other sports where they have, you know, 13 year olds doing tricks that, that seemed impossible for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think with the three disciplines of let's take a little look at each of one of the, I mean, with speed gets a bit of a, a bad reputation within the climbing community, but it also goes viral on the internet like every, you know, like every so often. So it's like, it's like, you know, come on guys, you must be able to see why they're doing this. But I kind of can understand both sides of the, the story. But yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, like there's sort of side by side and it's a little bit like American Gladiators, if you've seen that. That's where I, kind of how it looks like. And you finish the, the kind of the route under 10 seconds and it's super easy to get your head around in like... Like anyone can understand speed climbing, I, I, I including yourself, right, Alex? You've had a go. At the, it's like the same wall everywhere, right? And and you've had a go. And I I was I was impressed. I was I don't know what I was expecting, but I was impressed. Oh, I appreciate that because I was uh, sort of unimpressed with my performance. But I was like, I, yeah. I I found that the speed climbing is quite a bit harder than maybe not harder than I expected, but. Um, but it is quite hard and it actually tired me out much more quickly than I would have expected because the, the world record times for speed are, are in the five to seven second range, uh, which is incredible. And so, you know, I think I was climbing the wall in 20 seconds, let's say, or something, uh, which is, is fine for the first time because a lot of it is having to learn. But you would think that doing 20 seconds of effort, you know, it's only 20 seconds of exercise. How hard can it be? And yet after trying it a few times, you know, after five or six runs, I definitely declined. I was like, oh, it turns out I can only handle about 100 seconds of exercise before I'm exhausted. I was like, that's kind of embarrassing. You know, it was, uh, it gave me a lot of respect for, for the elite competitors because, you know, even though they're only doing a five second effort, it's just max power, it's max effort. And so, you know, you really can only train at that level, you know, for short periods throughout the week. I don't know. It's just, it's impressive. And you've got someone like Adam Ondra, who's an absolute legend within climbing. Uh, and let's say, I think on your podcast to quote it, it was something like, he's got he's got a bit of work to do. I don't know how, you kind of worded it quite politely. Like he'll be in the middle of the, at best probably in the speed climbing, even though he's an incredible climber. Yeah, and it's, like, and it's ironic because he's known as being such a fast climber generally, but just not a speed climber. And, and it just goes to show what a unique skill set the speed climbing is. Like, it'll be fun to watch, no doubt, basically. And I think, isn't it weird that you did it and uh, were totally, you're like super fit, right? <laughs> like, you, But yeah, it's such a different muscles and different well, things it's, that it's, you're using. You were, you It's were not just that. A lot of it, though, is memorizing the sequence because the speed wall is a very particular set of holds. And so I think for me to see my actual physical limitations, I would have to practice on that same wall for a week or two just to memorize the sequence and memorize the flow of it. Um, because, you know, in, in some ways, it's comparable to a track or like a swimming lane or something where everybody competes on the same track. You know, they just run this course. But the difference is that a track is just flat that you run on, whereas the speed wall, you do have to memorize the exact sequence in which you want to do it. And there are, there are constant innovations in how people uh, move along that track. You know, there, there are certain methods where you skip one hold or like jump past another hold or use a certain foothold. You know, basically, there's all kinds of what climbers call beta. You know, there's tons of betas, how, how you navigate the track. And so I think for someone that has 
no experience with it, I mean, it takes quite a bit of time to, to learn that movement. And just to get the muscle memory of, you know, anything, you know, if you're climbing 45 feet in five seconds, I mean, it's, you know, somewhere, you, you can just Google one of the videos, but it's, it's totally incredible to see just the amount of coordination and, and the, the movement involved is, is remarkable. As an, am a terrible amateur climber, can I just say that I can't even get up, like not even close the times that they're doing. The other discipline, there's three in total, uh, lead, which is a little bit more normal. Uh, you're kind of using your ropes and uh, competitors are trying to climb as high as they can on a wall uh, about 15 meters in, in, six, in six minutes, basically. Um, that's a bit more normal, right? In terms of climbing it and, and what people would associate with climbing, right? Actually, I think, I think lead climbing and speed climbing are both sort of normal because I think a lot of people, when they think of climbing, they expect you to either be judged by getting to the top or by how quickly you do it. Those are sort of the two metrics that most normal, like non-climbers would assume uh, are how you would evaluate climbing. And, and that's exactly and really, the bouldering, the third discipline, falls into the same metric. Is like if you get to the top, then you basically win. It's a little more complicated than that, but um, but lead climbing and bouldering, you know, the short version is that if somebody makes it to the top, they're doing very well. That's good. yeah, that, that's it. That's very good. and I think that goes for all of the climbing disciplines. Like go up, don't fall off. It's quite the you know if you've fallen off, it's bad. So. Uh, which, which I think is important because that does get back to the heart of climbing, which is to make it to the top of something. I mean, historically, climbing is about making it to the top of mountains, making it to the tops of cliffs. And it's nice to see that even in the Olympic format, that's still ultimately what, what's rewarded is making it to the top. I'd never seen competitive bouldering live ever, other than like, you know, people in the gym or whatever, like at a proper pure elite level until I went to the Youth Olympic Games in Buenos Aires. And I have to be hand on heart. I was like, why would you watch people bouldering? Like it's going to take forever. And how interesting that can this be? And then I saw it in real life and I was like, what magic is keeping what Velcro, hidden Velcro is keep, it's literally ridiculous. It's like so good to watch. And uh, yeah, so that is a bit more like in places you thought were absolutely impossible, like making the poss impossible possible, which is kind of your speciality as well. I no, I, yeah, I, bouldering is, is cool. I completely agree. I think bouldering definitely has the the most potential for spectators. I mean, it's just these incredible feats of strength that are just hard to even understand. I mean, I, I have the, you know, even as a professional climber, I watch some of the bouldering world cups and I have the same sensation that you did, which is like, how can they possibly hold on to that? Like, how is that even possible? Like, what are they doing? Or like, how did they solve the problem that quickly? Cause a lot of the, the challenge in bouldering is to understand the roots, basically to read the roots properly and figure out how you're supposed to execute the climb. And so, you know, they just walk up to this wall, they just understand it. And then they like jump to things and they jump with two hands and they lead with their feet and they do all these just incredible maneuvers that, uh, you, you know, even as an experienced climber, I just don't see that at all. It was like, it's, it's really impressive to, to see. And, um, I was going to ask you about, uh, Japan and climbing because it's like, it's actually really big deal in Japan climbing and people are super into it. It's not, it's like, you know, I think, Climbing is growing in popularity across the world in no small part to you as well. Um, but 
you know, I think with the like the stars of climbing, but also having the uh, Olympics there, but also having this like kind of culture of climbing, which I think happens in Japan as well. Like how engaged are you with that culture in Japan? Do you know, do you have some Japanese mates in climbing or, you know, how, how engaged are you in that kind of area? I would say I'm, I'm not very engaged. I mean, I've been lucky enough to climb in Japan a little bit and I certainly have some, some Japanese climbing friends, um, you know, fellow professional climbers from Japan and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's not just what you're saying that, that, uh, there's a culture of climbing and, and that it, there's also this incredibly high level of, of climbing. Like in some ways the Olympics won't properly reflect just how dominant team Japan is on, on the global scene right now, because the way the Olympic format is this year, uh, only two athletes from each country were allowed to qualify. And so that means that there'll only be two men and two women, uh, from Japan competing in the Olympics. But when you look at the World Cup finals on any given week, you know, when, when the competitions are going on around the world, uh, you know, oftentimes the finals round, which is the top eight competitors, will have six Japanese people or five Japanese people. And so, you know, or, or at least three or four. I mean, there are, the Japanese are wildly overrepresented in, at the elite level of competition right now. And so the fact that they're only allowed to field their top two athletes is, is really a disservice uh, in a lot of ways because you know, the, the sixth best Japanese climbers right now are performing at a, at a higher level than, than most of the other climbers in the world. Um, so, you know, but, the, but that's just kind of a fluke of, of how the Olympic format works right now. And just, um, and I'm sure that must probably be true for most other sports in different ways and different organizing committees and just, you know, it's all just part of the Olympics. It's a brutal one. Yeah, exactly. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's same happens in skateboarding. The, the, it's it's they're so stacked Japan when it comes to um, you know that's it's just going to happen and yeah it's, it's, it's got to be I think, uh, yeah it, it's got to be devastating if you're the fifth best Japanese man because that also means that you're probably the seventh best man in the world but it just is just a bummer though actually in a lot of ways that's similar to what I was just saying about my competition experience as a kid where uh, you know in the small region that I grew up in I was always the third best. But then it just turns out that the other two guys happen to be two of the best climbers in the world. And you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's like, that's yeah, just, it's just classic. You're like, oh, well. you know, and, and that's cool though, because I think, you know, being around that kind of, of skill, you know, helps raise your own level to, to, to your own, it helps you reach your own personal potential. Um, but it's got to be hard for, for the competitors that don't make the cut that way. But, but this is exactly what I mean, how I think that that this level of athleticism will help raise the overall level of adventure in climbing. Because think of all these competitors who are maybe the fourth best in their nation and they're not going to make the Olympic team, but they're still arguably some of the best climbers in the world. You know, they'll, they'll make their mark in climbing in different ways by doing other things. And that often means huge adventures, you know, like climbing remote walls or doing first ascents or basically exploring climbing in other ways. And, and that's what I'm really excited about seeing. I'm also excited to see the competition, but I think it's also it would be wrong for us not to point out a couple of the American climbers as well. Uh, you know, Nathaniel Coleman, Colin Duffy. Uh, I know you've picked out uh, Brooke uh, Rabutu as well, and Kyra Condi. I mean, uh, they America have their four, maximum four. Or, you know, they're pretty pretty good as well. You know. Um, how well do you know those guys and, and have any of them got a kind of uh, potential to podium in, in your opinion? 
I mean, it's hard. So, so I know each of the competitors of varying degrees. Actually, I don't know Colin Duffy at all because he's 17 and, uh, and climbs in Colorado. So I've never met him. But um, but the rest of the competitors I've met and, and know to varying degrees. Um, I don't know. I mean, the nature of the the format and the scoring for the Olympics means that there is a high degree of uncertainty. So there's, in some ways, anybody has a shot. You know. It's like anyone could have a good day and, and, and the way the, the scores between the different disciplines are multiplied, it sort of, uh, I think sort of exacerbates the, 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 the wildness of it, the potential, you know, basically if you, if you do really well in one thing, like you could, you could do great. You could podium. I think that realistically on team America, Brooke maybe has the most likelihood to, to podium in some way, just because she is quite good at each discipline and she has maybe a little bit more of a history of performing well in speed and things like that. Um, but I mean, I don't know, Kyra and Nathaniel have both done well in world cups. Like I think if, if anyone on the team did well, it wouldn't be shocking. You know, like everyone has the potential. They all have the, like it's there, like it could happen, but certainly nobody on team USA has the sort of expectations that some of the other global competitors do. Because some some of the Japanese and and you know somebody like Adam Andre who's you know known as the best climber in the world. I mean, for him, there's already this pretty profound expectation. I mean, he's his team has been releasing a, a, a YouTube video series like the Road to Tokyo for the last year and a half. I mean, like his whole climbing, like I don't know. I mean, basically his whole trajectory for the last couple of years is focused on the Olympics. So I think for some of the global competitors, there's this incredible expectation. But I think for the U.S. competitors, uh, you know, they all have a shot, but you know, we'll see. I think it would be remiss of us as well not to mention Yanya Grandbret in this uh, kind of conversation, like of of people being like dominant. Like she's she's one of those people where she goes against your theory of wildness. Like she seems to sort of thrive in the, you know, like she somehow manages to be on top quite consistently, basically, despite the kind of craziness of the competition. Well, the, no, what I'm saying though, the wildness is, is the, uh, the combined format specifically because you multiply the three scores. I mean, Yanya has been dominant in bouldering world cups and, and lead world cups, but, um, and you know, obviously she's done well in the combined format as well, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying that, that I think the combined format like that, because you multiply the scores together, you just wind up, because I mean, somebody like Yanya could easily win bouldering, get you know second and or third or something in in lead, but then do poorly in speed, let's say, and then the way it multiplies out, just not actually wind up with that great of a result. I mean, it just depends. It just depends how everybody else does. But she's very good. Is is was was probably my my other point rather than that. She, she she is my clear favorite for women. Don't get me wrong. Yanya has has dominated. <laughs> on the, the, the global scene for years. I mean, her, her whole run with last year with, she won every bouldering world cup, uh, you know, which no one had ever done. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty incredible. Well, something with Yanya so, and actually, and this is kind of true in competitions in general. I mean, so much of climbing competition depends on the root setting and, you know, it's really up to the root setters, the people who craft the, these climbing problems to put up problems that are hard enough to differentiate the competitors. But it's, but it's always a very fine line because if you make the problems too hard, then nobody can do them and all the competitors get clumped at the bottom because nobody was able to do anything. But if you make them too easy, then everybody's clumped at the top. And so it's a very fine line to make the roots just hard enough that it separates the field into a, a perfect continuum. 
And I think that for somebody like Yanya, who's been so dominant, sometimes I think maybe it does her a disservice if the routes are slightly too easy because, you know, she is quite a bit better than, than a lot of the other climbers. And if the routes were harder, she could show that more clearly. But if the routes are too hard, then nobody else can even climb on them. You know, it's a, it's just an interesting, I don't know. There's a very route setting has a very important role in the whole competition in, in, in climate competition. Absolutely. And then I can't, I'm, I'm British, so I have to mention at least one Shauna Coxey. So there you go. I've done that now. She's also quite good. But uh, yeah, not in Yanya terms. They're definitely not. Though when, we'll see. I mean, when Shauna was at her peak, I mean, she kind of had a similar run though, where she just seemed un, unbeatably dominant in, in the World Cup scene for for a while. And so I feel like she's another competitor where you know, I mean, she might not be favored to win necessarily, but if she did, you wouldn't be shocked. You know, you'd be like, yeah, she certainly has the competition experience. She has the, she has the potential. She has the ability. Okay. Last question. Give me your number between one and 35 and I would give you a question. How about uh, 17? 17. This is quite a popular number people go for because it's midway through, I think is my, is my theory. Um, which talent, if you could have any talent in the world, anything, what would you most like to have? Like any, you mean like a gift or just being good at something? How have you defined talent? You know? I mean, if I could just adjust some knobs, I mean, I would just turn my IQ up about 100 points. You know, I feel like everything else would be a lot easier if you were just... if if I was just a lot quicker and I could remember things better. And, but then on the other hand, you know, of a talent, I mean, maybe it's better to be harder working. Cause you know, if I didn't waste so much time, you know, I was on a flight yesterday and I watched a couple sort of bad movies and realistic, but I spent that whole time reading an educational book or, or like working or something. I could have been a lot more productive, but instead I just vegetated and watched, watched a bad movie. So I don't know. I mean, you know, what kind of, I don't know. What are my options? I need, I need, I need a buffet of talents and then I could choose one. <laughs> I think that answer gives us our answer in in its in of itself that you know like that the Alex yeah you want something brought to you in a buffet. Thank you so much for your time. That's been what 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 an excellent way to spend some time. Thank you very much. No pleasure chatting. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. Massive thanks to Alex. We actually had him on the Olympic Channel podcast back in 2019, where he spoke a little bit more about his life and background, if you're interested to hear more of that. I also asked him about his greatest fears. It's uh, fun to think about things that scare you. And so I've come up with a list of things that potentially you are scared of. Is it scary, yes or no? Are you scared of heights? No. Are you scared of ghosts? No. Are you scared of inflation? No. Are you scared of snakes? Uh, not not that much, but I don't really like snakes. Are you scared of deep water? Not 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 really, I guess. But don't 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 love swimming either, but you know. Um, are you scared of heavy metal music? <laughs> no, no. Definitely not. Are you scared of Justin Bieber? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit more than inflation. Are you scared of marriage? Uh, you know, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Are you scared of clowns? No. 
What that that mean? Yeah. Well, it's just rational. I mean, who? Why would you be afraid of a clown? It's just some dude wearing a suit. Scared of losing a finger? Uh, a little. I mean, I, yeah, I'd rather not. Oh! I wouldn't say I'm afraid of it though, but I'd rather not get. You know, I'd rather not lose any parts. And are you scared of babies? Uh. I mean, yeah, a little. I'm, a, I'm always a little afraid of hurting, but you know, I don't. I don't really know how to hold them. So, uh, you scored five out of eleven on our very, very scientific test. Olympic Channel podcast. <laughs> okay, so there's a link in the show notes to that one. That's it for now. Stay safe, stronger together. See you tomorrow. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.